Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Support WrestleTalk. Give us a subscribe. Making their way to the ring at a combined weight of undeniably sexy, hailing from London, the Russell Ramble Podcast! Hello and welcome to the Russell Ramble Podcast. I am Ollie Davis and I'm joined by Luke Owen. Hello, Swerve Nation, and a hello to you, Oliver Davis. How the devil are you? We're actually getting to do a podcast intro as we didn't do one yesterday for our bonus Dominion episode. Yeah, I thought it was a bonus thing, so, you know, they don't need the exclusive intro and outro. But I'm sorry, Pod Swafters, if you felt neglected. But in a way, you are more focused on. We can't win with that kind of content, (laughs) can we? I suppose not, no. Uh, But would you like some correspondence? Okay. As to this, it comes from Harry Iverson, a correspondent about meeting wrestlers. Ooh, is this going to be a good story well, or a bad story? Let's find out, because I actually haven't read it. So <laughs> oh, that is a recipe for disaster. <laughs> so let's find out. This is from Harry Iverson. Hello, Luke. Not you. I was just listening to the $10 podcast you and Ollie did, marking out over Keith Lee. So for anyone who is unaware of what he's talking about, our Ramble Club episode, which is our $10 a month uh, p- Patreon podcast, we talked about meeting Keith Lee and having drinks with him in a uh, little pub in Bethnal Green. Bethnal Green. Thank you very much. Um, anyway, back to Harry. And it made me think back to when I used to work at Newcastle Airport about two years ago and my girlfriend, now fiancé, were going to a WWE live event the, uh, the night before I was working night shift at the airport and was unaware about that the night... Uh, blah, 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 blah. Now I've had some good experiences at the airport on night shift, like getting a box full of food brought into, the, into our bait room. Mm, it's our, a bait room. I don't know. That's where ba- Tyler lives. <laughs> our bait room off the Ranger from the Foo Fighters private jet that we'd all munched on. Anyways, I had no idea what was about to happen. I got told by the leader of my team for that night, Harry, there's a flight in tonight with about 70 people coming off it. There's a bit of a roadie, but I think you can handle them. So me being me, I just thought, oh, great. I'm going to have to have a coach of 70 plus drunk people in from a stag do or something like that. But oh, how wrong I was. The plane came in on st- on stand. He uses a lot of like technical terms, mm. I think, in here, which I think as someone who just says these in day-to-day life, you're like, cool, I'll just put these in email and it's fine. There's also, I don't think, any punctuation in this email. So it's, cool. it's hard to read at times. Uh, it's like when we say wrestling lingo in real life yeah. and people go, it's not a gimmick. <laughs> yeah. How dare you call my charity a gimmick? How dare you? I just wanted to know what its unique selling point was. 
So the plate came in on stand and there was there for a, and there was a bit of a wait for them to get off. So I asked the dispatcher what's going on? What's the holdup? And he replied, "Oh, it's just the WWE lock getting off the plane and it takes him a while to get sorted." Now being now me being quite a big fan of wrestling as I am, I had to sort of stand back and not panic cuz I'm about to see all of these stars I see on TV. The first person to walk off is Goldust and he asked me quite a normal question what side doors will i be opening because airport buses don't have side doors uh i was already starstruck and just fell over my words trying my hardest not to mark out since it was 3 a.m <laughs> uh, then that's the re- a real thing to happen <laughs> then, was he in full gimmick gold dust i don't think he always i think that's something he just does at the arena no no pretty sure he travels like that all the time you reckon his pillows are a mess <laughs> Then the rest of the wrestlers started walking down, such as AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Big Show, The Usos. The names of them were getting on my bus. When I, uh, when I saw KO and AJ, I lost my S-word internally, but I had a job to do. So I took them where they needed to be and marked out watching them get off my bus. I wanted to fanboy, but I didn't because I thought it would, I wouldn't have time to enjoy that. Uh, uh, they wouldn't have time or enjoy that an airport bus driver is trying to get photos. After that, I sent Owens a tweet saying that I was his bus driver and kept my call and not um, not only did he retweet me, he replied twice. So even though I never said so even though I never said anything face to face, it was still an amazing experience and totally know where you's coming from about standing with a massive grin on your face. I know it's long but feel free to share. Uh, if you ever get the time to share uh, just a sidebar, I thought one point I could make it Oh, um, at one point I could make it as a wrestler and went to a training school that was led by Rampage Brown, who once Irish whipped me into the corner and had the likes of Primate there too. Safe to say I was thrown into the deep end. Anyway, happy for you to enjoy this little story. Love you, bye. That's from Harry Iverson. And that was beautifully red, Luke. It was awfully red. That's exactly <laughs> what you're trying to get to there. It's not as easy as it looks, you see. The um, uh, So I'm trying to... I don't know why this is the part of the story that stood out for me. What tour has those people on? I was trying to place this in my head. So it's after AJ Styles joins the company. Mm-hmm. So that's January 2016 onwards. However, is it the same? So that's two brands. Roman Reigns has never been on Raw. He never said Smackdown. Roman Reigns. Did he not? So he said Kevin Owens. Kevin Goldust Owens. has always been on Raw. He said Kevin Owens, AJ Styles, The Usos, Goldust, and Big Show. Big Show's always been on Raw as well. Hmm. And they flew into Newcastle Airport, which means they were starting their tour. Um, which means it was a European thing. Unless they all flew in on the same flight, of course. Yeah, and then they split when they get there. But that doesn't make sense because I think they travel differently. Because, yeah, that they they've got different tour bus schedules to go on. Yes, so... Harry Iverson, if you are listening and you want to give us some, give us some more details, dates, mm. times. This is what we're sort of after, really. Clothes they were wearing. What smell did AJ have on him? Do you know what he had on his long flights to eat? Did did Gold Dust have full makeup on? These are the questions we'd like to know. Did Kevin Owens pop up power bomb anyone onto the Bluth family staircase? Was anyone wearing um, Beats headphones that are wireless so they don't have to interact with people like you see footballers do when they get off coaches? Did they leave the plane very messy? Hmm, that's a good question, yeah. Were any of them being dicks? Was Kurt Hawkins locked in the toilet on board the flight? How long was the drive? How many bags <laughs> were there? We can keep this going. We can keep this going. Uh, one last bit of email uh, from correspondence from Niccolo Man- 
Uh, Mandado. God, the reading is just exemplary <laughs> today. Can you can you at least make a few botches so the rest of us feel <laughs> like we can read out loud? I, what I've learned from this episode is I should pre-read emails before I then read them out on air, just in case I may want to just, you know... So I can read, read them. I'd imagine this is what Simon Mayo does. Like, he reads an email and then he, like, prepares himself while Mark Kermode is talking about something so he then knows what he needs to read and how he needs to read it. He is the best radio broadcaster I've ever heard. He's so good at his job. Effortless. He is effortless, actually. Yeah, that's why him and Kermode are so good. Although I have, I, I had to stop listening to their podcast. Why is that? Well, I started to find it was... It's a movie podcast, folks, if you're not familiar. Yes. And that, well, well, you say it's a movie podcast. It started to feel like it was becoming less about the movie podcasts. So it got to the point where it was like, of a two-hour podcast, only half an hour of it was actually movie reviews, and the rest of it was just sort of inane chat. And I get that we do a lot of inane... I was going to say glass houses, Luke. But we do a lot of inane, inane chant. But we got like a 10, 15 minute intro. Then it's like an hour long wrestling nonsense. And then some inane chat at the end. Which I think is more balanced than doing it the other way around. Like if it was an hour of inane chat and then 10 minutes of raw. Like that, you wouldn't want to listen to that as a, as a wrestling podcast, would you? Maybe. Uh, but what's your what's your second? Sorry, did you not, could you not feel for me then while I was taking a sip of tea? So I didn't know you were. <laughs> so Luke just had a sip of tea. I, I was meant to um, reply. You but... had to cover for me for a second. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to cover for your your reading of emails. <laughs> uh, so this is and from... I like that podcast. This is from Nicolo. Hi Luke. I was listening to the new podcast when suddenly you started talking about spritz. I was invited something. I was invited to something like that ten years ago, not more than fifty kilometers from where I live. So this is about Aperol spritz. What a hipster! Which uh, you and I were talking about on Saturday's mm. Friday's show because yeah. we did Dominion preview, and then you and I went out for an Aperol spritz event. Which we could talk about in the outro, I With our lady partners. Our lady partners. Uh, in the area I live, northeast of Italy, it is very popular and we consistently drink it 24-7. Wow. I am writing you because with Aperol, it's not only the way we drink a spritz. Just water and Prosecco is a normal spritz. Water, Prosecco and Aperol, it's a spritz Aperol. Hmm, hang on. Just water and Prosecco, it is a normal spritz. Water, Prosecco, and Aperol, it's a spritz Aperol, but it is very popular also with Campri- uh, Campari. Campari, that is... That's uh, also another orange-flavoured liqueur. Mm. Again, good covering while I was taking a sip of tea. I saw an opportunity, um, and you did not take it. Uh, <laughs> we do have other not-so-popular kind of spritz that also taste delicious. The most important thing, by the way, is that our spritz Aperol does not taste like the Aperol company sells all over the world. Mm. We are very proud about it. If you, Ollie or El Fagador, will ever come near here, I'll be honoured to pay you for an original spritz Aperol. Yes, in this way. Thank you for spreading the voice to all podswafters around the world. And that's from Nicola with a little um, accent over the last O. Interesting. Uh, the way he describes a watered-down Prosecco. Hmm. What the... What, well, that's that's what, not a cocktail. But that's what Aperol Spritz is. That's someone cheating you out of the right volume of liquor. You have ice and you have Aperol Spritz in there with Prosecco and soda water. It just sounds to me well, you like someone's, someone's been watering down the Prosecco. And I'll be honest, the ones we had on Saturday, I would say were a good 80% water. Mm. But they had 
A slide. Uh, a slide. We haven't posted that video. No, I was meant to put it in today's news and I Have forgot. You got it? I've it got on it your it's phone. on my phone. I was oh. meant to do it in today's news and I forgot. I'll do it in tomorrow's. Or, yeah, we'll do it then. Cool. Well, let's get on with the show. Well, on last night's episode of Raw, Braun Strowman was not just bullfrog splashed off a ladder through a, the commentator's table. He didn't just have the coup de gras and the glorious DDT hit on him. He had three guys ganging up on him for the majority of the match and he still managed to overcome them all and win. Now, WWE not fully getting behind their wrestlers and pushing them properly is something we often criticise them for. And now we're going to sit here and say, or ask rather, are they now doing it too well, or like too much rather? Because there is an argument, and this was like the main criticism of the episode that I saw online afterwards. The Braun Strowman has been booked too strongly, gets that Superman syndrome where you don't really invest in his matches because there's no peril there. He's always going to win. Yeah, and it's something that I've I've found with Braun as of late, to be honest. I think we talked about this in a, a, a previous video. I said the the problem with using like picking Braun as your guy to be like Raw's tippity top guy and put the universal title on him is that they've now booked everyone else on the show to look like no one is a competitor to him. Like, apart from apart from maybe Bobby Lashley, Brock Lesnar. Well, yeah, okay, so Brock's still yeah. with them, right? <laughs> I still a WWE guy. I think I think he's still on the Raw brand. Yeah, yeah, they, they mentioned him. You yeah? still got the okay. championship right. thing. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Broken records and stuff. So, like, it, it just feels like there's no one on Raw that could be a legitimate contender to Braun outside of Roman and Bobby Lashley. And then that's it, really. And it's just like, and it kind of brings up again this whole point of, like, they've only got three three top guys in, on Raw, which is Roman, Braun, and Bobby. They're all baby faces, and everyone else has just been kind of, like, flattened off either below Braun or just, like, towards the bottom of the card and i think that it's booking braun to be like this it is is problematic hmm i so i don't hate this i don't hate it yeah and i don't uh i, I don't think wwe have booked themselves into a corner either i really have enjoyed braun Strowman's work since Backlash, because before Backlash, it was just him teaming with Bobby Lashley, where he would get a hot tag, and then it would take out Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. There's only so many times I could watch that play out, and I was kind of like, well, you're just burying Owens and Zayn week after week. There's nothing new here. I don't buy into you more because of it, and I certainly don't buy into the heels. But then since Backlash, he's had this really nice feud with Finn Balor that I would love to see turn into an actual title program eventually, I think. Um, and he's shown enough vulnerability in those Finn Balor matches, where Finn Balor has had him almost beaten near the end, uh, where I, I think Strowman's character has had enough. And this just makes Strowman look awesome. I feel like this... And it was a really fun four-way main event, I thought. Both four-ways on this episode of Raw were. It opened with the women's Money in the Bank participants' fatal four-way. And Strowman here really dominated them, but he was taken out for a portion of the match, but then he came up and it allowed Kevin Owens to sell the the horror that Strowman has set up from this bullfrog splash. And I think this is necessary for what they're probably going to do this Sunday. And that is all seven men are going to have to team up and do something crazy to take Braun out. Mm -hmm. So I feel like this was the setup for the the version that works 
on Sunday's Money in the Bank pay-per-view. Which is fine, but the question is, like, what do you do with Braun next? Mm. Oh, that wasn't rhetoric. No, it wasn't a rhetoric. You, you want an actual, 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 actual question? Uh, well, so I, he shouldn't win Money in the Bank. No. He, he, he doesn't need it. Um, if Elias wins the IC title... I mean, Strowman hasn't... Well, he has won the tag team title. I was going to say he hasn't won gold yet. Yeah. But he has with Nicholas. How could How we... could you forget? I, I think everyone has. <laughs> yeah. I, that. I, that was fun. I genuinely mm. had. It was only like a couple of months ago. Yeah. Uh, I, I think Strowman getting the IC title would be pretty decent. Uh, and then he but can then feud with Finn did... Balor well, over Finn, that. Finn Balor is about the only guy. Because I did. <coughs> there is a spot uh, during the, the Fatal 4-Way, which I did enjoy. Actually, I thought the main event was a lot of fun. I yeah. thought the women's match was was much better. I oh, thought, really? I thought the women's match was awesome. Really, really enjoyed it. But like, there was a great moment during it when Finn Balor, like, and Coachman even said Finn would have got the win there mm. had it not been for, I think it was Bobby Roode that broke it up. And like, yeah, and it was, but, the, but throughout the show, Kevin Owens essentially said to both Finn Balor and Bobby Roode, you can't beat, Finn, you can't beat Braun Strowman. And they went, no, you're right, I can't. Absolutely, mm. you, you are 100% right, I cannot. And it's, that, that, that's my thing with Braun at the moment, is they, they're, Put, they're building it they're, they're positioning him as a guy who cannot be beaten and everyone on the roster is going like yep nope he cannot be beaten so what do you then do with someone who cannot be beaten it's not like Asuka when she had her undefeated streak and it was like oh will she lose her undefeated streak this is more a case of like or like who will beat her undefeated streak this is a case of like no who is going to survive Braun next it's an interesting argument and I do I do agree uh, I also am very conscious that WWE never properly push people oh God, who, are, yeah. who are over like yeah. this. And, and, and they, they're finally strapping the rocket to someone we very much enjoy watching. So we, I, I'm hesitant to criticise it too much in oh, case yeah. it falls apart. Absolutely. But the, I guess the antidote to this would be rather than all these wrestlers saying themselves, it's fine for Braun Strowman to go, I'm going to crush you and then win. But the other wrestlers should at least think, no, I can beat you. Exactly. I've yes. studied you. Yes. I'm better than you because I'm a better wrestler and I, or I'm quicker. All these other elements that Braun lacks. Because just because you're a big monster, that doesn't mean you're invincible. Exactly. Look at Goliath. In, oh, yeah, oh, oh, in oh, that oh, famous oh, biblical feud. I was about to say, David and Goliath. Who did he wrestle for? Yes. <laughs> I, know, I know what you mean. Yeah, and I, and I'm I, sure he was a WCW wrestler. <laughs> probably, Sounds like the sort of name they would have had. Exactly, yeah. He was probably part of the Dungeon of Doom. Mm. Yeah. But that, that's kind of my thing, I think, with, with Braun's. I really like Braun, and I really like watching Braun wrestle. And you are right. Like, it's great to finally see WWE get behind a wrestler that the fans actually like. Like, that. that's quite refreshing, really, in sort of this day and age. But it's... Also, you've got to kind of that thing of just like, I'm, I don't think I'm looking forward to the next Braun feud because at the moment they're just positioning everyone as like, nope, I'm just not on his level. I, or, or I'm not smart enough to, to beat him. Yeah. Uh, I, I, that, I, see, I, I am interested in Braun. Uh, I totally get why you wouldn't be. But me personally, I'm very, I've I really enjoyed the Balor stuff. And to be honest, I have missed the past two. Well, the, oh yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. So I, I missed the the Braun um, Balor match. They two, they had two matches. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I think the, like, I, I would like to see him against Kevin Owens. I would like to see him against. Remember that Sami Zayn feud he had when the heel face dynamic was reversed about a year and a half ago. Yeah, but that was a different Braun Strowman then. Mm-hmm. Like the Braun Strowman that was then was someone like, oh yeah, Braun can't be beaten, but Roman was also beating him every now and again. And Sin Cara. And Sin Cara, remember? So like like that was a, it was a different Braun Strowman then. Was now, it Kalisto? 
Oh, it might. Have, it was Kalisto, absolutely. Kalisto. Sorry, I get they all look the same. These masked luchadors. But that's like that was a different Braun character. The Braun character we've got now is this one that is just like get these hands and like mm. smashing ladders and whatnot. So like it's, it, I don't think it would work as well. Also, like I don't think I want to see Braun Strowman beat up Kevin Owens again. Yeah, because we saw it all like it felt for like three months between WrestleMania and Backlash, even though it was only six weeks. They, so Strowman really could do with a little character flaw. That, because his I, kryptonite. I really liked it last year when he was in his feud with Roman and the commentators were put over how Braun is lacking a little bit of experience. And I think it was the Fastlane match last year where he he went for a top rope move and that was essentially what lost it. And they're, they're saying on commentary, it's that lack of experience. He shouldn't have gone for a top rope move at that time. But now he does have the experience. So you need maybe that he is... He no-sells to... I don't know what you could... What the kryptonite could be. Well, I was going to say, it feels at the moment like... You know when people who don't really read comic books say, like, well, Superman's a boring character because mm. like he's impervious to everything and, like, nothing can beat him. But then people who actually read the comic books be like, no, 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 like, he's got all of these things here. That's what Braun doesn't really have. I know, And you are one of those people. Well, I've, ne- I've never bought into that argument because I do read comics and I do read a lot of Superman. And he is but there is, there is... Yeah, he, it's very hard to write for him. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because... Yeah. He and he and it, it, he is like the least interesting of the big. Justice oh, I wouldn't. League. I wouldn't say he's the least interesting. <laughs> it's fine to be contrarian to a contrarian. <clears throat> Where does the meta stop? Uh, but I. So at the end of this match, this this really good four way. Um, everyone hit. So there was the Finn Balor bit where he did the shotgun drop kick, and then the coup de gras. That were that was where it looked like Balor might have won it. And that wouldn't have been the worst thing in the world, actually, I really going into Money in the Bank. No, really not. Uh, Strowman definitely had an out with the stuff that had happened previously. But Bobby Roode breaks up. Bobby Roode hits the glorious DDT. But then uh, Kevin Owens saves that. And then Kevin Owens goes to... He hits the bullfrog splash, but then Braun kicks out. And then he... Which is fine, because it's not a finishing move. And then he, Kevin Owens gets a short ladder, one of those tiny ladders from underneath the ring. And just hits Braun with it. And Braun is no selling it. But he's no selling it. And and I really like this. He's no selling it in a way where he is actually getting hurt. But to sort of intimidate your opponent, he's acting like it doesn't hurt. Because as soon as he gets the ladder off him, he's sort of like holding his ribs. He even punched his ribs at one point to kind of psych himself up. Which is what Kenny Omega does a lot when he starts to like sell too much or punch his arm if it's hurting to get it back to life Kylo Ren thing yes yeah 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 and uh, then Braun hit a wicked and must have sucked for Owens running power slam onto that short ladder yeah I yeah I, I, I it's definitely something to be concerned about but right now I think it's for for me. I like what they're doing with Braun. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in uh, agreement with you. I think that there is certainly a discussion to be had about whether he's being booked quite too strong. But at the same time, I kind of like. It. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. 
PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. So are they promoting money in the bank with this opening segment or the new WWE board game, Wrestlers and Ladders? This is one of my least favorite things. Like, because they've done this before where like all the wrestlers cut promos from the top of ladders and it's funny because Corey Graves, one of the first things he says, was like, I've never seen this before. And I'm like, you literally did this. Like, I'm pretty sure you probably did this last year. You certainly did it previously. But it is just, it's so, it looks dumb. Mm. I just think it looks so stupid. Because it looks so unnatural. And orchestrated and like, staged. Why would you, as a wrestler, in this kayfabe world, have walked down to the ring and climbed that ladder? Like, what were you all waiting for? Brian Alvarez pointed out on Wrestling Observer Radio's review I'm as sure, well. I'm sure he loved it. He, yeah, he, he was a big fan. <laughs> like, uh, Kevin Owens is afraid of heights. Oh, yeah, but then he jumped off a ladder later on in the show, so yeah. I guess that's all dropped now. Yeah. Uh, this this was horrid. <laughs> it, was. <laughs> it was really bad. And it only got worse. And it's like, it's it's a visual. Like, I get, I get it. You want a strong visual... Maybe you take a few photos and you use that to promote the events because it, you know, that as a visual really encapsulates what Money in the Bank's about. Standing on ladders, standing on ladders, and cutting promos, and two Brit. The prizes are there. You're being facetious, <laughs> but it is like that is a good image. Yes, but in practicality, if you're trying to make this a real presentation, it looks utterly ridiculous and so stagey. And just, I guess they haven't done it. To defend Corey Graves, I don't know why I would though. They haven't done it with the male and female competitors. Well, I suppose they haven't. There is Before. that, and I felt that made it look more ridiculous, <laughs> especially the different heights of ladders. Yeah, the only thing I will say, what I did hey, like about ladders this, were in there. What I did like about this actually is because it's something that you don't really see within WWE, which is almost like it felt like these two worlds like colliding the mm. men's the men's division and the women's division in the ring at the same time like you don't really see that it was like the avengers 
Whereas all of a sudden you're like, it's Captain America and Iron Man on screen at the same time. I think that is hyperbole. <laughs> well, no, well, I'm, I mean, I'm using it as an extreme yeah, yeah, example. I, yeah, yeah. But like, when you got to see Alexa Bliss say, like, oh, I think that, my, I mean, I didn't like the verbiage, but like my mixed match challenge partner Braun is going to win. And they had that little cute little smile together. Mm. And then Sasha's like, uh, actually, I think that my mixed match challenge winner is going to be. And then... I, and I was like, and then Bam was like, yeah. And I think that if there's going to be a raw woman, it's going. And I, the word, the wording was horrible, but the actual visual, everyone in the ring at the same time together, was quite nice. No, it wasn't nice. The, no, on the ladders, horrible. But like the women and all of yeah, okay, the women okay. and men in the same okay. at the same time that I liked. Uh, and I, when they mentioned mixed match challenge, I also thought. I've forgotten completely about that, even though we'd mentioned it the previous week about SmackDown when they had an intergender tag match. Uh, I didn't hate the conversations back and forth. I quite like Kevin Owens's stuff about Braun Strowman shouldn't get like there should be a handicap there because he's already quite tall. Yeah. Uh, and so I think it was an anniversary of Dusty Rhodes's death as well. It was yesterday. And yeah. Owens had the the line a hard times line in there mm. so that was a nice That's nice that was, because uh you know that all those nx people who went through nxt uh, feel very indebted to dusty absolutely so i, I thought it was some there were some nice bits in this but well, it was it was it just it just looked so horrible and then natalia had the worst line of all oh she's <laughs> terrible <laughs> and it's so bad on promos because so, alexa said that she's going to win even though she's hurt and sash was like uh, i actually don't think you're hurt i think you're faking it and then nanny was like actually i'm gonna win and i'm gonna cash in on my best friend ronda rousey and in my head obviously the thought was uh ivory my friend mm. that's all the first thing i thought of it was like as if this wasn't stagey enough already <laughs> you have to say it that way yeah uh yeah really um yeah i don't know where they're going with the tar well I, I think i know where they're going with natalia but it's so obvious now it feels like a swerve that she you think she's gonna win <clears throat> well it would dictate and what we've we've all speculated on was natalia wins money in the bank ronda wins the, t- the women's title and then Natalia turns on Ronda and cashes in the briefcase. It's only a possibility, yeah. But this was so but then Natty won. obviously setting that up mm. that I feel... Well, if if she's going to go against Ronda, she should win because you want them to look strong. I suppose, yeah. And usually WWE don't, D- do, don't that do that unless yeah. they've spent a lot of money on someone where true. they actually book Yeah, logically. that's very true. Uh, so, yeah, I don't... Yeah, it feels too obvious. But, I mean, what... So they're all just standing there on these ladders and then just start, silently. And then talk. Oh, right, at the start. This is yes. before the before, promo yeah, yeah, start. Yeah. They're all just sitting there and they're all kind of like looking off in different directions. And in my raw review, I've said it was like a, the South Park Christian rock album cover <laughs> where they're all just looking off forlornly. And then Kurt Angle comes out and he starts to recap stuff. <laughs> Why? And then. The most interesting thing about this segment... Oh, yeah. Baron Corbin Baron came Corbin, out. as Adam Machiti put it, got an upgrade. He came out just looking so much better. I don't know. I think it's going to take me a while to get used to this. With shaved head Corbin. Lex Luthor Corbin. <laughs> I, I didn't... Uh, I, I still like him more with the long... It's just, when I saw him come out, I was initially, Hey, you shaved your hair. And then I was immediately, Why did you not save that for a stipulation? Why would you ever shave anyone's hair off bald, especially if you're a heel, if if you haven't got a program to, to work that through? That's very true. you could have really elevated another yeah, yeah. guy. 
Baron Corbin, he's the heel constable of Raw, and he's got everyone knows he's going bald. It was a it was a funny chant we did Is at the he? the London shows. So why why do you not make that a part of his character where he's really not protective over his hair, but that yeah, it it just it's so obvious. It's an open goal, but you just shave his head. Yeah, for example, I, I am a man who is very rapidly losing my hair. I do not have a lot of it left. And we have talked, like, if we were... To, I mean, we're probably not going to do it. If I ever was to shave my head, I would do it as a, as a WrestleTalk punishment as opposed to just doing it. I'm never going to wax my gooch out of pleasure. But I would do it for a WrestleTalk punishment because... And it, it would be quite beneficial, really. It's, it's too much down there. But we cannot load, that, too much. cannot load that to YouTube, though, can you? Um, I think you can. Do, you wouldn't get a close up. <laughs> you want to get the abstract close up that you see in some yeah. some videos of that ilk. Yeah, but I think even then, like YouTube's quite. You know, sometimes they could be a bit like we've put videos. Just up, be my face. We have put videos up with a thumbnail where someone is throwing a punch, and YouTube have gone like, "Whoa, hang about, lads." That looks violent. So, uh, if again more staginess. That segment finishes, and we know we're going to get the women's four-way next. So that's all of the Money in the Bank lady version competitors from Raw. Natalia, Sasha Banks, Amber Moon and Alexa Bliss. And they go to break. They come... When we go to break, all the ladders, all eight people still in the ring. We come back from break. It's just three of those lady members. So they got rid of the ladders, the men, and Alexa Bliss... Because Alexa Bliss had to then make her entrance. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Alexa makes her entrance. Dot, dot, dot. Again? <laughs> like, it was... I don't know. And the commentator going like, Alexa had to get a special entrance in. I'm like, why? Why did she? Because she's losing? And that somehow protects her? I don't know. It was very bizarre, and it just looks stupid if you're paying attention. I think WWE really does book their shows as if it's background viewing. Hmm. Whereas people like us, and I imagine the people who are watching this video as fellow Ramblers, SWAF Nation members, they do watch this stuff very closely, and it's very patronising to see it like this. Yeah, but maybe you're just being a nitpick. <laughs> hey, there's always that as well. Um, but, like you said, this was your favourite match on the show. I really enjoyed this. I thought this was a, a, a cracking little match. It got really, really great by the end. It was some just, uh, just full of really great spots. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thought all the girls worked really hard. And, like, Ember Moon's um, flying through the ropes. Crikey O'Reilly. So, like, Sasha Banks does, a, like, this awkward-looking flip-dive thing where it essentially looked like she fell over. Uh, but, it looked, but at the same time, like, she managed to pull it off. Falling with style, it was as fall- Woody would put it. Uh, Buzz, you mean. Oh, no, you're right. Woody would say he's falling with style. I do apologise. And then Buzz says it at the end of the film. So I was half right from a certain point of view, <laughs> as the Attitude Era podcast would say. And, um, but um, the, the point I was making. So anyway, so Sasha does this big flip dive, sort of big. And then Ember launches herself through the ropes, just like 150 miles an hour, just flies through the ropes and just like, throws herself into Sasha. And they just crash into the barricade. Looked awesome. Looks Someone's really been good. watching Stardom. That's what I got from that. <laughs> but I guess she's always done those kinds of dives. She has, yeah. But um, I just thought it was really cool. I just, I just thought everything in this was really well done. Mm, uh, particularly from Ember Moon and Banks. Yes. I really yeah, enjoyed yeah. their work. And, I, I, you know, a heel Sasha Banks against a face Ember Moon, that could be a really good feud. And I know I've said I'm a bit ambivalent towards Moon in the past. I still kind of am. But she's she's winning me over with her in ring work. I really like. I've really always good. liked Ember Moon. Um, I don't know what her character is apart from the fact she likes uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Which, Contact lenses. Yep, which makes me like her anyway. But I just think that she. I think she's really great. 
and Natalia won this by tapping out the entrance, Alexa Bliss. Yeah. Maybe that's what she should be billed as. <laughs> the, entrance. the entrance. So what's, Alexa what's Mandy Bliss. Rose? The stunning Mandy Rose. She's the stunning Mandy so Rose. So she is the entrance Alexa mm. Bliss. Very nice. Uh, so yeah, Natalia winning there, even though she was also selling her knee injury, could be... Usually, the theory is if you lose on the go-home show... If you win on the go-home show, you lose at the pay-per-view. Statistically, that's not actually true. Mm. Like, it's actually under 50%. So it doesn't give anything away, but that's the mind, the, the mindset. Uh, but I, I feel like this was... They're giving Natalia a win because they're booking her strongly to eventually lose to Ronda. Perhaps, yeah. Did you see... Um, You know the the... Natalia action figure that came with the Money in the Bank briefcase, which a lot of people were like, ah, well, that's probably a big indication. You see, there was mm. a Becky Lynch one as well. Well, there were there were briefcases for everyone. Was it briefcases for briefcase everyone? Briefcase for you! <laughs> briefcase for you, yeah. The Basic 78 series, or most of these little series of Mattel action figures, they come with variants. Oh, I see. So, like, The Rock was also it? had a Money in the Bank briefcase. Well, so he's winning on yep. Sunday. Every, a lot of people are winning. Even people who aren't in the Money in the Bank match. New Day are going to reveal their new fourth member, The Rock, and he's going to win it. Because they need more charisma, don't they? <laughs> That'd be too it's, much. It's just what they're lacking. It's just what they're really missing. Next up, we had Kevin Owens approaching Finn Balor backstage, and this was the running narrative throughout the night of Owens trying to get his fellow male Money in the Bank Raw participants to gang up on Braun Strowman in the main event. Yeah, Kevin Owens offered Finn Balor a bowl of olives because it's an olive branch, so to speak. And he points that they're both former Universal Champions who never got their rematches. Yes, yeah. I like that yeah. because that is a, a, a sort of glaring hole in WWE continuity. I've just written here, what about Sami Zayn? Well, yeah, okay, so this it's isn't, a, yeah. No, no disqualifications on a fatal four-way. <laughs> no, and also, like, when we watched, uh, saw Raw in London, it was the main event triple threat, and I, during that show, I thought, like, huh, I guess they've just dropped that Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn friendship thing because they're now in two different storylines. And then Sami helped Kevin win the main event so he could qualify for Money in the Bank. And that's never been brought up again since. Well, it was... Bobby Lashley was also in that match, so Sami took out Lashley. Is... And the, and the, and you've got the Lashley Zane feud. You can't have you can't have feuds crossing over, Luke. Sorry, my mistake. People will get confused oh. because nobody watches these programs with their full undivided attention. No, they're checking Twitter. Ugh. Oh. Uh, they're they're cooking. They're making stuff with the kids. Yeah, absolutely. They're on the phone. It was also at this point as well that Owens, and it kind of ties into what we were talking about at the start. Owens said, in so many words, "If Braun wins and cashes in, we may never be champion again." Mm. Yeah, I like how Owens is really terrified of Strowman. As as well he should be. Yes. Terrifying man. Uh, then we got Mac and Dolph beating Breezango. I mean, what do we want to talk about? Um, wrestlers getting new looks. Tyler Breeze with his beard. Yeah, he's gone Hulk Hogan. <laughs> yes. That's like, my first note. Very beardy Tyler. And Fandango had his hair pinned up in a way where it looked like it was short. And I was thinking, what's going on here? <laughs> it's hair cut mania Cutting promos, cutting hair more like. Nice. Uh, so the this was Mac and Dolph trying to get some momentum back after they were eliminated first in the Battle Royal last week, which was just full of jobber teams, and it was to become the new number one contenders. Of course, B-Team won that, and Mac and Dolph were eliminated first. Yes. Um, and 
I've, when it happened, I was kind of hoping, for me, how I view this, that I would see it as just a throwaway thing and Mac and Dolph would be fine the next week. When they came out, they weren't as cool as they were before that Battle Royal elimination. Yeah. It doesn't help as well when Coach is now calling them the D&D train. Did he? Yeah, that's his new name for them. The D&D train, and you, and you all need to get aboard. Oh, God's sake. Not Coachman's only bad call of the night. <laughs> when is it ever? Uh, but they they quickly beat Breezango here. Drew powerbombed Tyler Breeze onto Fandango's that back. That's awesome. Yeah. And, I mean, that in-ring wrestling is really, really good together, the way they combine the movesets. But then they cut a promo afterwards about how they're going to... The only way to save this tag division is to take out every single team in it. So why don't they beat up Breezango more here and fully write them off TV? Mm. Um, it, it's going to take... You know, the last week in the Battle Royal didn't kill them, but it has not done them any favours. No, as we said last week, I, you didn't need to put them in there. In fact, actually, it would have been more beneficial to them as characters to not put them in there because, as you said last week, Mac and Dove could have cut the promo this week of just like, we weren't even allowed to be in the Tag Team Battle Royal because they'd know we would just destroy everyone and win. Or maybe or maybe they see hold, it as a be, joke. We're being held back. Or, yeah, they see it as a joke. And yeah. so, yeah, we're excusing ourselves from this, you know, this whatever this is. Yeah. We're going to destroy each and every one of you and then we're coming for the titles. Totally. Alas. Uh, Brock Lesnar is the new longest reigning top champion in the modern era in WWE. Yep. 435 days. I'm sure this will not spark discussions about whether it counts because it's a different title. Mm. And uh, CM Punk confirmed return, right, I guess? Because <laughs> well, yeah. he was the last one. This is obviously to set up a feud between the two. Is that where we're going? Com- you, return confirmed. He lost uh, against Michael Jackson on purpose. So that he could come back. So after this, we got Roman Reigns taking on Jinder Mahal. At least at first, that's what it was billed as. A bit worried about that. This was announced earlier in the day, and I just thought, oh my God, of all the matches to put on both Money in the Bank (laughs) and on Raw, you've gone for this. We're going to see this matchup twice in six days. We just watched Dominion, and now we're getting this. But that wasn't what they were going to do. Jinder actually had a nice little swerve where Roman came down to the ring and said, I never said you were facing me. I said you were... Which WWE's promotion team really should have picked up on. Yeah, well, I think what it was (laughs) is that Jinder laid out the challenge to Roman and Roman accepted. And then the marketing team and the graphics team assumed that Jinder meant himself, as did Roman. Mm. And then Jinder probably was backstage telling everyone, like, yeah, it's me. Yeah, make sure we do this and put that in the running order. And then in the actual ring, he said, ah, no, it's not me. You, in fact, are going to face another great Indian wrestler, the great Sunil Singh. Which I thought was a really nice touch. That was the only good thing about this. Yes. And he even did, like, one that towers above everyone else. And I thought, oh my god, are they actually bringing back... There's no way they can do this now. And then he said Sunil Singh. I was like, you've worked me, Jinder. Very good. Well played. Who was it last week that said the winds are changing? Or there's going... Or the that was Jinder. Are... Was it Jinder? Yeah, yeah. He said it again this week. I've, and I That's said his that... his new character. It, it feels like it's building towards a big impending storm. Yes. But nope. <laughs> well, it was. Maybe it is. It is. We're going to get a, a, a corking match at Money in the Bank, no doubt. Mm. So this... So, so if this was Jinder's big plan, and he's 
you know, you're not really going to derail Roman Reigns by giving him Sunil Singh, as is what transpired when Reigns defeated Singh in seconds with a spear. One, two, three. And then, and I was like, okay, this is where Jinder attacks Roman and they do a big beatdown angle heading into Money in the Bank. But he doesn't. He hits one coloss, one of his finishing moves, and then goes away. He left him laying, man. Like so that, all of this... To leave him laying, he proved a point, I guess. But it's not like Jinder has... But what is the point? Which shows that Jinder can beat Roman if he hits his move. But it doesn't because it was blindsiding. Yeah, but Sunil Singh will be there. Sunil Singh will be there causing a distraction on on Sunday as well. I thought this was so insanely weak and insipid as an angle. Again, your version is much better where Jinder does a wicked beatdown on Roman to like properly leave him laying so then Roman is going into Money in the Bank injured. Mm. But then that might be a storyline and I don't think that's what WWE are going for. Well, just look at this feud so far. Jinder cost Roman that Money in the Bank spot. That's what started all of this a number of weeks ago. And then every week since then, it's been Roman finding Jinder and beating him up backstage. And, and one week, Roman wasn't even on TV. So Jinder has never been portrayed as an actual threat, not even from a cheating standpoint. And here was the time to do that. So I don't believe Jinder can beat Roman. I don't care about Jinder beating Roman or Roman beating Jinder. What possible reason is there to be invested in this feud? Well, I said this on Saturday's video where why is Raw so boring at the moment, specifically looking at this match. Like, what does Roman get if he beats Jinder? And what does Jinder get if he beats Roman? Like, neither guy gains, gains nothing from this match. Because it's not like the winner of this is going to be the new number one contender to the to the Universal Championship when Bro- when Brock Lesnar returns at SummerSlam. Like it's not even being built as that. It's just it's a match, and you can do blood feuds without stipulations or without titles or anything like that. But that requires like a Tommaso Ciampa Johnny Gargano feud. It doesn't really work with just these two lads. Yeah, clues in the name blood. Blood has been drawn in a feud. Yeah, this is just. A slight disagreement. And it's like, you compare that, say, uh, in Dan and NXT, where you've got Ricochet and Velveteen Dream. They're having a match at TakeOver Chicago. There isn't a belt on the line, but both men are doing that to kind of, like, jockey for position in who should be the next number one contender. Mm. There is a point to that match. This match has no point, which is why it's difficult to get invested in. That sums it up perfectly. It's a pointless view. Yes. It's, it's It's something for them to do. Maybe the creative team have just been like, okay, we really need to distract Vince with something. Let's, let's book this and then we can... But it's not like the rest of Raw's improved with Vince distracted over there. No, I, well, I guess the point of it was, it was to get Roman cheered because people don't like Jinder. So by by osmosis, you're booing Jinder, you're going to cheer Roman, I guess. that's That was the intention. It was like when they gave uh, Roman the US Championship to make him the all-American hero as a way to get him cheered. Wow. And Roman just feels so weak. Not weak, but just not over. It's because he's lost to WrestleMania and he's been flattened since then. He's really, he's lost so much momentum. Yeah. And it's like, not that he ever had a babyface momentum, but he certainly had a kind of momentum about people disagreeing about him. Now it's just like, I just want him off. And yeah. this is, it's a shame because he's a great wrestler and he's a good performer. Oh, well. Oh, well. B-Team beats Rhino and Heath Slater, making them look strong, heading into their title match this this weekend. Uh, they beat him very quickly, which made it the third squash match in a row. 
I didn't even pick up on that, mm. but yeah, it is. Uh, and the deleter of worlds appeared at the top of the ramp afterwards. Well, no, they were on the screen first. Yes. And, and said <laughs> some words, and then they appeared on stage and said some more words, and, and then the segment ended. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't a great promo it was just like it was just there wasn't it well so again tying back into like this is a pointless feud jinder and roman like i feel like this is also a very pointless feud because it's not a feud like these two haven't the the b team won a battle royal last week this is the first time these two have actually interacted and all it was was the deleter of worlds saying stuff mm. and the, the stuff they would say in any promo so it was. It's nothing. Like it, again, it's giving you no reason to care about the feud. So I, I never, match. I never saw this as a proper thing. Anyway, this is just a filler comedy feud for me. Which, and I think it's doing a, it perfectly fine. It's not going to be a big payoff match. Probably go quite short. Don't expect a title change. And it is the payoff of actually like at least a month long running story of the B team forming and trying to get a title shot. So I don't mind it from that perspective. What I do mind is that it's on the pay-per-view card. That's my point I was going to make. The, yeah. This this is one of those matches that you could just put on Raw, create kind of like a super show feel to the go-home Raws, which is what they really should do, especially now the pay-per-views are so crowded than being co-branded. That rhymed quite well. Hmm. Uh, and, yeah, like, why not have this match here? I, I, I agree. Saved 11 matches it's going to be a long Sunday night. Is it 11 matches now? At the moment, yeah, I think. What was the 11th one? I can't remember. Oh, no, it was... Um, did they announce Almas versus... Uh, or was that taking place on SmackDown? Almas and Sin Cara? I don't know. I can't or is it Kalisto? Uh, next up, we got probably the best segment of the night, actually. Elias is so over as a heel, and he had the crowd in the palm of his hand. Arkansas... Yeah, and he, and he sang a great song about Seth Rollins, um, mm. pointing out something that the Kayfabe News had reported um, last week, which is that confusing architect tells people to burn it down. Yeah. Uh, the He also debuted a new guitar that he said he's going to debut once he's won the Intercontinental title at Sunday. And it's just this, it's a guitar with the IC title spray painted onto it. It gave me very Rick Rude or Velveteen Dream vibes yes. when he would paint his opponent's faces on his tights. So I liked that. And Elias was just so over as a heel and doing the John Mayer stuff. Coachman described him as a hip-hop legend. Who? Elias or... John Mayer. You, you had to tell me who he was this morning because I had no idea. I wouldn't describe him as a hip-hop person. Okay. Is he a music man? He's a music man, yeah. He's yeah. a guitar player. Oh, is he? Okay. Who dates... A string of famous and beautiful women who he, you know, breaks up with eventually. What a Lothario. Is he a solo man or is he part of a band? I think he jams around. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. He's a jammer. Uh, but Seth Rollins comes out waiting until after this song about him is over. Yeah. So, in so which he's not that I did offended. Like, I did like that Elias called him a tool mm -hmm. in the song. Elias is great. Uh, and Rollins comes out, he sort of throws Elias out the ring, and Seth's just cutting this promo saying, look, you're really, really good. You've got, like, all this charisma and stuff, and like, I just want you to use it for good, but you're not. You're being a little dick about it. And then he says, you've got all these guitars, and he looks at the guitar that's still in the ring. This was a really well-executed segment when the crowd, like, all realise at the same time. I, like, I didn't think, when I saw that guitar, I thought, that's getting broken next week. 
I didn't think that's getting broken in a bit. Yeah, I thought it would be something that gets broken on, on Sunday yeah. at the pay-per-view. And it just... It really, it was really well structured to make me want that guitar to be broken. Yeah, I mean, I'd have, I'd have liked to have savor that, you know, have uh, Elias using it, and you know, I, I think proudly presenting it for sort of weeks on end, and then Seth breaks mm. it, um, as opposed to just being like, here's a guitar, oh, it's broken, because I didn't, I didn't have as much of impact as it possibly could have done. But I did think this was the best segment on the show. It's a hot go-home angle. That's what it was. <laughs> it was spicy. I, uh, yeah, and when Seth Rollins realises the guitar's there, he puts it in the middle and he's like, he's really milking the crowd for ages, Seth saying, well, you know, I've got a song. You know the words. It's got those three beats. Burn it down, burn it. And he just curb stomps. Curb stomping a guitar isn't as visually impressive as slamming the guitar on the ground. No. But it's, uh, it's more but in it keeping. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I just... Because there was a bit where Seth Rollins said, you know, this is great that you've got this guitar from John Mayer. That's that's amazing, man. There's there's only one problem. And I thought he was going to say, I hate John Mayer, and then smash the guitar, which would have been so much cooler. But they didn't, because WWE like pop culture, don't they? Is he pop culture, though? Like, In has America, he, has he's he a big deal. Has he had a song recently i don't know he's one of those guys that just seems to always be in the celebrity news bits oh, okay. so yeah man you learned so much when you worked at four music hey my knowledge stops at 2013 though. <laughs> I, can't, I, I can't tell you what he's done since apart from break up with katie perry why <laughs> uh next up we had kevin owens approaching bobby Roode backstage yeah and he gave him the same offer that he gave to Ballot earlier in the night then we had Ruby Riot taking on Bailey in a pretty decent match as well. Well, before that, though, we got Riot and the rest of the Riot Squad call it, causing all sorts of havoc mm. backstage. I think they they might have kicked a, a Coke can at one point. Yeah, things really <sighs> li- really oh, kicked off. The, the cleaner had to spend an extra like at least ninety seconds sweeping all that up. And they they, they went up to uh, a sort of stage hand. And just cut his tie off. Oh man, that was a nice tie. Wow, they are so rioty. So, <laughs> I have written here. They do all sorts of riot things. Mm. I wish Ruby Riot didn't have Sarah Logan <laughs> and Liv Morgan. Yeah, she's I mean, so good by herself. I know, and I but I really like Sarah Logan. So I'd mm. really like Sarah Logan to be off doing her own thing. But that that would make perfect sense because Sarah Logan really does not fit no, she this doesn't. gimmick. No, she needs to be the trapper. <laughs> trapping gay meat <laughs> um if you are interested in hearing more of ollie's impersonation of sarah logan um you should definitely check out the patreon exclusive podcast where we review judgment day 2000 because it's essentially the same as this gerald briscoe impersonation mm. oh god damn it <laughs> oh, oh, i was gonna get the coffee <laughs> oh what do you want you wanted the gay meat oh no darn it it's it was, gonna be cold it's wonderful uh so they yeah they had a decent match um, I've just written down here though. This is a good match, but I just I don't care about it because the the Ruby Riot Bailey Sasha Banks series of matches is is just tainted for me by that Bailey Banks never ending never pay off feud. Yeah, it feels like this is something that's going to like come into its own next month, I guess, after Money in the Bank is out of the way and Sasha Banks can. Start teaming with Bailey to take on the oh Riot Squad, God. I guess. They've done that already! I, I, I don't know, I'm guessing that's, uh. what that, that's where they're going with this. Because Riot, uh, one, she gave her the Riot kick, and then she did the most riotous thing of all. She drew on her. She got, her, she got a big old Sharpie out and drew an R on her abs. Mm. Yes. Yeah. 
Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax had a face-to-face next. They certainly did. I liked that backstage Ronda was waiting to put on her jacket for the camera to find her. And Mm. then she flicked on her jacket and made her entrance. Looking cool. And Natalia, always there with sage advice. Don't take your eye off Nia. God, Natalia is so bad. She's, she's, she's really, yeah. she's really no good. And she's great. That's the problem. Yeah. But she's, she's, she's stuck with this role of, I don't know what is it. Just like cardboard cutout best friend. Well, I was gonna say it's her character that's the problem. Really, her character's so bad. Like I've not watched Total Divas, but is she this bad of an actor on Total Divas? Uh, I think she's more kind of uh, sort of likable. Yeah, yeah, but like, but like, when they give her words to say on Total Divas, does it sound as like convoluted and scripted as it does here? Like, she's a different kind of bad to someone like Naya, though, because Naya, when she's not on her A game, like shortly, uh, she just sounds wooden and disinterested. Natalia's like putting in quite a lot of effort, but she's just not good. (laughs) Okay. Uh, So yes, they got Coachman to be the master of ceremonies here which I have to think is a rib on Coachman considering his previous comments about Ronda Rousey how she's done she'll never draw anything ever again well no I thought it was because he's got the ESPN connection and like it makes it seem like he's seen as like a legitimate sports broadcast sports sports you can tell that I watch them sports watching all the sports me sports broadcaster yeah, I mean, if he did have that reputation, I think it's been slowly chipped away at with every passing week of commentary. Yeah. But I just thought, you've got a perfectly good Renee Young somewhere backstage. Oh, she was busy getting ready for the Sami Zayn segment. Yeah, though. she had to flip a coin. It's the most <laughs> excitement she's had in months. Uh, yeah, because like, it fits in with your, your women's narrative. And Renee Young's great. Yeah. And she could have really drawn out personality from these two stones here. Problem I- was, though, that Renee's... Like her real skill, it's answering a question and then fading away mm. into the background. But she was like, Coachman was on a chair, which would have been very difficult for Renee then to fade off into the background. But Coachman did do the same thing. He essentially said one question and then. <laughs> he didn't feel so good. You heard the click and then <laughs> off into the ether. So, yeah, Nia Jax was. They, they were both sitting face to face in these chairs. Side to side. Side to side, yes. Yeah, like slightly us. angled. And. But Nia just, she sort of talked about how WWE is different because the UFC, you can't have headbutts, you can't have hair pulling, you can't have slaps. Pretty sure you can have slaps. Yeah, or knees to the back, I think mm-hmm. was one of the other ones. Yeah, you had. shots to the base of the spine. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, like, I've never really bought into that stance of how Ronda's the underdog here. No. Especially um, because, like, UFC is legitimate fighting, mm. and this isn't. And, and, and I just, guess in the kayfabe world. Just the, like, the stuff at the end of the segment, I really enjoyed. Because whenever Ronda gets physical, it's actually, like, she's actually the best at it. But that is the only thing she's the best at in a wrestling context. At the moment, she could, she could improve. Uh, I thought just her general presence while Nia was speaking was, was a was completely lacklustre and Nia's performance as well was was really wooden and I hate it I hate it I hate it I hate it when women wrestlers feel the need or it's scripted for them I guess to say hey you're beautiful you're strong you're really talented like the beautiful shouldn't come into it this is what like you should never 
if, if you're really trying to push this equality thing, you drop the whole idea of women needing to be beautiful as a prerequisite for existing. Yeah, when Paul Heyman was cutting promos on Roman Reigns prior to WrestleMania, he didn't get like, God, you're so handsome. Your hair's amazing. Your hair's luscious. But you're going to lose to Brock Lesnar. <laughs> I, I really, really hate it. Like, like you would never... It's, and it's a big problem because they always say when you're raising kids, when you, when you praise the boy, you're like, oh, you're so smart, well done, you're really strong. But when you tend to praise girls, and I think it's just a default mindset, oh, you look so pretty. You're oh, not a princess. You, yeah, you're princess. And that's like, it's just going to condition them to seek that sort of reward out. Like, I've got to be pretty. I've got to be beautiful. When really you want to be like, no, you're smart. You, you, you're just as smart and strong. Not just as smart and strong, but, you know, you, that's what we're praising you for on those metrics. So I hate it when it's done by adults in a company that professes to push this kind of agenda themselves. I agree. I agree. Uh, but the, the physical stuff was good. Physical stuff was awesome. Arm bars are great. Arm bars are great. I thought Naya actually did a really good sort of sell job on it. Mm. But it was like, uh, so like they stand up and they, they shake hands and then Naya headbutts her. And then they get into this little scuffle and then Ronda struggles to lock on the, the arm bar and then she does. And Naya tapped out. And I did things like, oh, why did you do a tap out spot six days before their big match? Mm. Like, why would you... And then Cole says, like, that's the question we've had for weeks now. Can she get on the armbar? And I was like, no, it hasn't. That's not the question you've asked at all. Like, it's... I, I don't understand why they did Nia tapping. Mm. I, yeah... <sighs> Nia Jax doesn't look strong at the moment. Like, even... I know she squashed that job of the other week, but... Like, Nia felt a much bigger threat last year. Mm -hmm. In just the way she was dominating matches and throwing people around. Uh, yeah. yeah, I just I'm not really into this feud. I really I get why it was in front of the live audience because the the physicality at the end works best in that environment, I suppose. But why not do all the other bits pre-taped, like the um, AJ Nakamura contract signing? Yeah, a bit last... like that, or more just like a sports package thing where you can put in dramatic music. Or... Yeah, I mean to be honest, like this either live or pre-taped didn't really bother me. It's Nia tapping out, I thought mm. was was idiotic. Um, after this, we got one of the better surprises of the show. I was actually saying this might have been my favourite segment of the show, actually. Yeah. I loved this. Uh, so, No Way Jose and Kurt Hawkins have a match. They've built up that Kurt Hawkins is now on 200 losses. This will be his 201st if he doesn't turn things around. And No Way Jose has his weird thing down to the ring. He gets into the ring and they're waiting for Kurt Hawkins to enter. And the music's played. It's played for a while. Referee Rudy Charles, best referee in WWE, says, okay, well, I'm just going to start counting him out then. One, two, and he gets to like the four count. One of the weird sex party entourage runs in and attacks Jose from behind. I did not see that coming. Great. Great stuff. Really, really good. And then to cap off and even like to make it even better, Jose just turned around, lamped him in the face and pinned him. Mm. Awesome. Loved that. Yeah, so hopefully they can do this every week and find new fun ways for Kurt Hawkins to nearly win. Yeah. Uh, then we got Bala and Bobby talking backstage, saying they don't trust Kevin Owens, but they don't really trust each other either. No. Ooh. And then a, a really sweet Special Olympics video package with the big show... Not that he's in the Special Olympics, it was a girl. Uh, uh, but he's kind of like their ambassador. Do you want to uh, take any issues uh, with this, Ollie? Like no, this was do. nice. <laughs> no, I liked I'm, the previous I'm, I'm week. I just wanted you. it to work into an angle. <laughs> I'm messing. Uh, hopefully, 
Big Show and the girl who was deadlifting in the Special Olympics thing here, probably the new tag team champions at SummerSlam. Hey, could be. Stranger things have happened. Then we got... It's a good show. When Then we got Bobby Roode. I've written Bobby Roode. It's not, is it? It's Bobby Lashley and Sami Zayn. I the hope, latest... I hope you edited that in the script. I did, I did. The latest chapter in their their thing. This this thing that they've been having week yeah. to week. In all fairness to them, <coughs> this has been one of... I'd say maybe one match, maybe one of two matches that are going into Money in the Bank that actually has had a storyline. Mm. It's not a good one, but it has had a storyline with weeks of progression to lead to the pay-per-view match. To credit where you know, yeah, to give yeah, credit, yeah. it has had that. I'm I'm conflicted about this because I like I hate it, but I enjoyed this. You enjoyed this one. Mm. So okay, so it's, it's cognitive dissonance. I don't know what how how to articulate. And I it. did groan and roll my eyes a little bit because you saw the guys coming down and they were setting up an obstacle course around ringside. No, I had these flashbacks to NXT when they did the first season of that. <laughs> And then I and I, they're putting over the hey Sami Zayn is going to make Bobby Lashley run an obstacle course and Sami Zayn cuts out, comes out and cuts a promo and he says last week I made reference to I don't think that Bobby Lashley was ever in the army and people booed me but hey you've all shown me pictures and documents but I can't verify those so I've set up a, an obstacle course for Bobby to do and he takes you around there it's like a rubbish version of the Broken Skull Challenge like and which is one of my favourite shows on TV. And he, he kind of walks around and kind of shows you everything that, that it is. And he says, like, now in the military, it takes people about two minutes to do this. Me, I did it in 90 seconds, which I, I thought was a, a wonderful line. And you can tell it's military because it's got mesh on it. Mm. Uh, and then he gets and then uh, he says that he's going to win. And then he's going to dedicate his victory to a great military power, Canada. Which I thought was was also great, especially with recent nice, uh, yes. frictions between the, the 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 leaders of those countries. Yes. Just to get some nice little cheap heat in there, and just like Canada, way. Just so you know, at the end of the segment, you need to chant USA, mm. just to remind you. And uh, even that, there were three jumps of escalating difficulty, and each jump or wall to climb over, rather, was named after one of Bobby's sisters. Yeah, so it really I, was which, like really was like Broken Skull Challenge. Yeah, and uh, which, which did get a chuckle from me, and the timer on the Titan Tron had a cutout of uh, Sergeant Slaughter up there. Yep. So, like, this is this is the the thing. I enjoyed this, and then Bobby Roode comes out. Sammy Zane, Bobby Lashley. Oh, I did it again. Bobby Lashley comes out. Another smiling guy comes out. And the, the smile thing is so... <laughs> So generic, I can't even see race anymore. <laughs> uh, and Sami Zayn really milks it and says, you know, you start on mine and you start on my count, not your count. Rene, flip the coin. I'm not getting close to Bobby because look what he did last time. He hurt my hand. And that was that was all enjoyable. And then when Bobby did the actual assault course, I was like, it's quite impressive to watch a man be that fast and strong. Yeah, he did it in like 42 seconds. With flourishes. Yeah. Because he could, he didn't use his legs to climb the rope. And when he gets to the end of the monkey bars, he sort of does a pull-up as well. Yeah, yeah. It looked look really cool. Um, and, and on the last wall to climb over, there was a rope. He doesn't use it. He just, like, jumps. Just jumps, yeah. Jumps, jumps over. Jumped over it. Um, that said, though, as enjoyable as those bits were and Sami Zayn's performance, because he really is good even though the material he's working with is awful. It's an obstacle course segment. You I know. know, like, this is the go-home angle for your feud. And why would Bobby Lashley agree to do this obstacle course? And after, when, last week, I was like, 
at the end of their segment. That was a crap segment, but there was a little glimmer of hope at the end where Sammy accused Bobby of never being in the military, and it got a genuine ooh reaction from the crowd. That, like, that was gold. Do that bit more. And I guess you did do that bit more. You just did it in a stupid pro wrestling way that doesn't make me believe anything. Yeah. Um, and it's just like the amount of people this segment had to go through. To, to the amount of people had to go. Yeah, let's do that. Just to get all the stuff to the ring and get the obstacle course bits of equipment made. Why didn't anyone say no? No, and again, in the kayfabe sense, like, why did Bobby even entertain this? Like, it, it's the, they always say that when you're being bullied, like, you just ignore what the bully is doing. You don't, you don't go around and be like, oh, if a bully sets up you an obstacle course, I don't then go like, oh, I'm going to do this obstacle course and prove them wrong. Yeah. No, like, no thanks, because I just get the feeling you're going to beat me up afterwards. Or one of them's going to be faulty. Yeah, exactly, because you've done this to make me look like an idiot. And you do that enough as it is. So like I it just I don't know I, it it didn't really I, it was great to see him do the the course in forty seconds very impressive, but at the same time like in a kayfabe sense it made no sense yeah yeah so boring feud and then uh, and Sammy attacks Bobby after he completes it really quickly in half the time that Sammy claimed to have done it and then it just fizzles out like the it was just a double axe handle to the back from Sammy on Lashley. Quite the double axe handle, though, wasn't it? And then, yeah, and then the segment ended. Again. Crowd did chant USA, though, so, you know, mission accomplished. They, the, you just need to give them a hint of the red, white, and blue, and they'll start well, chanting absolutely. USA. So, but, you know, the segment ended hotly with the crowd chanting USA. Mm, so it mm. worked in a sense. Um, and then we got the main event, which we've already spoken about. So overall thoughts on Raw? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what did you give it? I gave it Avroge in yeah, the end. Yeah, that's pretty well. I would have said because, three out of five. Like I actually enjoyed the two four ways. Yeah, there was the great, really good Elias Seth Rollins segment. I really liked the Kurt Hawkins bit. The the obstacle course didn't offend me as much as I thought it would nope. do. When they when they started promoting it earlier in the night, I was like, oh my god, it's happening! They made it worse, but it was actually passable. Uh, it's kind of like when Lana and Naomi had that dance-off, and you're like, oh, God, why did they even bother? And then you're like, that wasn't bad. But I suppose the question is, uh, Oliver Davis, and I think you have brought this up previously, that I thought the show was 3 out of 5. I'd have given it an average as well. But it's a go-home show sure. for a pay-per-view. Does that not then knock it down? Because, like, the, did any of these segments make you excited for Money in the Bank? Mm. Yeah, as a go-home show... It didn't make me more excited for Money in the Bank this weekend. So in that purpose, it it has failed. You're right. And it's not just a pay-per-view. It's now one of WWE's big five pay-per-views. Yeah. But, I mean, I I thought... I went into this show thinking I was going to hate everything because of the quality of wrestling we've watched over the last week with Dominion and Best of the Super Juniors. And it wasn't bad. And, and like, my very low bar was vaulted over Bobby Lashley's style. Yeah. So it was a it was a strong shrug of the shoulders. Mm. It was fine. On another week, if I was in another mood it could have been poor. So it was yeah. yeah. That's what it is. Could have been. So uh before we do anything about the the Aperol spritz of big events, um tell us about your 10k run, man. How did you oh do? Oh my god, I forgot I had to talk about this. Oh, okay. I was going to say, when we sat down and you were like, yeah, in the outro, we'll just do reviews. I was like, oh, Ollie, 
oh, you naive fool. We've got uh, so much to talk about. kind of blocked this out of my head. So I did a 10K on Saturday uh, because I'm training for the marathon next year. Not the marathon, a marathon next year. And uh, this was my first 10K. I've only ever run 5K before, and that was only very recently. So I thought, that wasn't too bad. I'm going to go to the next level. And uh, it was around my local wetlands. It was at 9 a.m. start. I was I was at the, the place for quarter to nine. Ready and raring to go. I had my running playlist sorted. Not meditation. Not meditation. I decided I'd do that uh, when I'm a bit more comfortable at, at running that, that kind of distance. And yeah, off we were. And it was a, it was a nice temperature. I didn't know how much temperature affects me. But uh, it was quite humid on the 5K. And I was dripping sweat on people. Because my I sweat so much, if I run with my arms back and forward, that kind of creates a, a, what would seem like a superpower of spraying salty water at people. Because you can have quite hairy arms. Mm. So I'd imagine it catches a lot of sweat, like in the little tips. Yeah. And then the motion of that oh, yeah. would send it off. If you look at a treadmill after I've been on it, the wall in front of it will also be covered in spray. Yes. Well, when we go to the gym later, I will look out for Yeah, that. yeah. I'm going to spray everywhere. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I so, think I've seen that film. So this was... It was a cooler day, and that, that was to my benefit. And I ran, and I was fine. I was actually largely okay. I wasn't pelting it. Uh, I didn't know... I don't really know about pace yet. I haven't looked into that. But I was running a, um, a bit beyond being comfortable. So I was happy with it. And then I did one lap. I did a second lap. And then it's it's the third lap time. There's the arrow that says third lap, finish this way. I take it, and just before me it said 8.5 kilometres. So I'd already, you know, run that far. And then all of a sudden, there's nine and a half kilometres. I've only got 500 more to go. Get in. I feel fine. And I run round. I run through the bit where it checks off your time, the electronic tag on your foot. And everyone's clapping. And I'm like, yes. That wasn't that bad at all. And then someone comes up to me, one of the organisers, and goes, congratulations, you came eighth. Whoa. And I was like, and that's when the panic set in. Because that was my first ever 10K. And I thought I did good. But I did not do eighth. Mm. How many people were there? A hundred. Whoa, man. And a lot of them were quite competent runners. Just from the, the look of the gear. I'm a novice. I'm, I've only been doing this for a month. And I... I I just like everyone's there, like tap, tapping me on the back, but my stomach. As soon as she says eighth, I get the knot, and I'm a kid again, and I'm like, oh no, I've done something wrong, and I just kind of like, ah, oh, cheers, thanks, thanks. I feel like I'm gonna poo myself, and I walk into the corner outside, and I'm, I just sit down and I think, that's not right. But then there's another voice going, hey, maybe you, you ran a good race, maybe this is beginner's luck, you know? And I'm thinking this isn't right. That eight kilometers to nine point five happened real fast, and I noticed it. But you know, you, I was pretty tired. You're in the zone. Yeah, I did, I wasn't thinking. Oh, that because you know the the six to seven kilometer thing seemed to go quite fast, but that's just because I was phased out. Yeah, uh, and then I I finally stood up and I I asked the organizer. I th- I think I've missed out a section of the course, and he went, "You too." <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? Oh, someone else has just missed it as well. I said, which bit? So I, I missed out half a lap. Oh. On the third lap, you're not meant to turn right to the finish line. You're meant to turn left and do half a lap of what you'd the previous two. 
and then go to the finish line. Awkwardly laid out. But very clearly explained. <laughs> <laughs> like it was as soon like because he looked at me and went, did you not listen at the briefing? And I, which was well, quite quite an arsy thing to say. I was going to say, that sounds like quite accuser. Yeah, yeah. And, and I I was like, I did, but it's it's one thing to listen in the briefing. It's another eight kilometers and rather sweaty in. Oh, totally. Like yeah. when, when we went kayaking out in Dubrovnik, obviously I didn't do that because I was in the cupboard, but had I done that, they gave us quite like a detailed proof of like, this is the best way to do a kayak. This is the best way to do it. And I suddenly was like, mm-hmm, yep, yep, totally. I get that 100% until I got out into kayak. And I was like, no, I don't think I listened at all. What are my arms? <laughs> I don't think I actually know what I'm doing. Yeah, so that that's what happened. I came eighth. Good news. Bad news is I only ran 8.6 kilometers. That's still pretty good, though. It's still pretty far. So it's still okay. Yeah. yeah. I think and that's... for my first time, I'm quite happy with that. Well, congratulations. Thanks, I think, man. I think that's pretty good. I've got a long time till the marathon. I'm starting early, so yeah. and I if... can make these mistakes. And if you want some more ego stroking, uh, my wife loved your poem. She thought, oh, did she, she really? Thought it, she thought it was excellent. Thank God I said that out loud. Yeah, she she said it was said it was excellent. Ah, oh, that's very kind of her. Thank you. Yeah. If anyone else wants to tell me how good <laughs> my poem was, because no one has. Like I, I thought, if I shared it on the podcast, we might get a bit of correspondence, bit of tweets. I thought we would as well, man. I've had zero. Yep, I, I have, shared my soul. I haven't had anything either. Mm. In fact, I have had just that Aperol Spritz email um, about mm. people just wanting to talk about. Uh, the Aperol Spritz event. Yeah, so it's great to hear that went down so well. I think people are just still recovering from it. You know, I didn't know while he had that side to it. No, they've got to listen to it like five more times to yeah. really get into the meat of what you were saying. But I enjoyed the Aperol Spritz event. Um, moving on mm-hmm. from that, I thought it was it was jolly. It was jolly good. Although I think I said to you and your your lovely lady partner when we got there, I'm just not cool enough to be here. That was my concern. It was an event very much geared towards the Grams. Mm. No one was talking to each other. We went there to just have a drink and chat and be in the sun and see all this fun Aperol-themed bits. Yeah. But everyone else was there to film boomerang-style shots on their phone. I learnt what a boomerang yeah, was. I only know because Anna's into the gram. <laughs> she loves the gram. She loves the gram. She did, when she explained it to me, she, it was almost like she was kind of telling me off for not knowing. It's a looping gif. Let's call it what it is. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so no, hardly anyone else was talking to each other, I noticed. Yeah. So I thought, we might not be cool in that sense of the word, but I don't want to be that cool. Go- Actually, that's a lie. I'd kill to be that cool. Everyone was dressed so well. I know, right? What are they doing different to us? I don't know. I think it's because they've all got good hair. That's what I think I it is. I don't think it's that simple, because... There was a guy with a big bald patch on his head. He looked cooler than us. Mm. It's like everyone else is in HD, and we're st- we're walking around in standard definition. Yeah, I don't, I don't. Is it is it, is it a spray? I do people put a spray on them before they know. go out? Maybe it's just like I think they're probably all locals because this was like in you know quite like hipstery area of, of London, like surrounded by cool people and cool mm. places. So maybe it's just like when you live there. Like, it just becomes part of you. But when you live like me out in West London, where, like, the, the closest thing to me is a retirement home, then you just sort of, you don't get that, that, that edge of cool. I think it's cod liver oil. 
Is that what you think it is? Yeah, it might be. Well, that's all we've got time for in today's intro and outro. Yeah, we've got or some. Outro, rather. We have got some uh, some other big things uh, to record today. So we can't even do any iTunes reviews because we had to talk about other things. But we'll be back tomorrow for the SmackDown review, the Go Home Money in the Bank SmackDown. Uh, I've got high hopes, actually. Looks to be a good show. Yep. Jeff Hardy versus Nakamura. And we've got a big cast, not big cast, Daniel Bryan versus Shelton Benjamin. Hey ho. How about that for a match? And I never thought would happen. Paige holding the uh, the Women's Summit. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I hope it's all on ladders. I was about to say, it better be all up on ladders. Uh, but we'll see you tomorrow. I love you. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.